Welcome back to the show, everybody. Excited to do another exciting interview today. Our guest is Tom Niavara. He is Tech Sales Tom. For those of you who are active on TikTok or Instagram out there, uh, Tom, appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Super excited and uh, nice to meet you too, Derek. You too. You bet. So this show, when we have guests on, we always have two core focuses. Number one is we want to know more about what you do professionally and how you might be able to serve our audience or how they might be able to serve you. And then we want to know if you're invested or an owner in real estate, what you do uh, that keeps you most active and and really more about those investments. So uh, if you could maybe start with the professional stuff and we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. So professionally, uh, I've been in tech, specifically in in sales for uh, almost, I guess, 10 years now. That's kind of what, it, what it's coming up on. Um, I uh, Over the past two years, I've, uh, I've converted what I've learned within that industry into uh, you know, a decent following on, on TikTok. So my handle is uh, Tech Sales Tom on, on TikTok and then on Instagram. And uh, I put out content that is aimed at bringing more transparency within the industry and then helping people with uh, non-traditional backgrounds um, get in. So I do a lot of kind of like step-by-step guides. I do coaching and mentoring and uh, it's, it's been awesome. Um, started off as kind of like a, as a fun hobby and then kind of turning into, you know, it's, it's own business um, at this point. So, and it, it has a great overlap with what I do, you know, in the, in the day to day as well. Yeah, it's super cool. It, it seems, and I, I read a little bit of like your background, especially with the TikTok stuff. It feels from reading your story that you very much naturally fell into that side of things. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I've always been like kind of a uh, a fan of like cars and motorcycles and 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 the social media side. And I never imagined that I would actually start creating content with regards to what I was doing professionally. Um, but then what happened was I started to kind of like think about, I started actually getting some comments on, on some of my content related to, related to cars, you know, wondering, you know, what did I do for work to like, you know, to afford these at, at a, at a young age and put out a few pieces about, uh, tech sales and had like an incredible amount of engagement, uh, based on that. And then I, and then I realized like thinking back into it, I, I kind of fell into the software sales side, um, myself. So both my parents are. Uh, immigrants from Poland. Uh, I was first generation American and uh, college graduate. So I didn't have any industries, uh, connections within the tech industry or anything like that. And I um, ended up like working out, working out for me. And then I realized that a lot of, you know, there were a lot of other people in that, in that same boat too. So, um, so it's been, it's been great to kind of combine some of my, my hobbies and, and share those with others. And then I get a lot of great, you know, messages from, from people at this point, almost, almost daily saying that, uh, they were able to, you know, land their first job within the tech and it's been, you know, life changing for them and all through uh, my content and discovering a career that they didn't know existed. That's amazing. I think so. I mean, my background, I started in sex sales. I give it credit every day for being the fundamental like basis for how I learned to sell mm-hmm. and solution based selling, I think, is universal. So yeah. I, I can't imagine a better journey, particularly if you're looking to develop those skills. And as we all know, it's lucrative, right? And it is, yeah. Um, that's fantastic. When, you, when you've been creating content, and I, we were looking through your website, Derek and I were actually laughing at the fact. So maybe it goes without saying, Derek, if you move your head there, he's got pictures in the background of some football <laughs> already. So when we saw the post, it was like, okay, you could take this course for athletes, athletes transitioning into yep. tech sales. 
Oh, is yeah. that when you think about your business, is that sort of how specific you are programs that are specifically for, you know, certain types of people seeking to get into tech? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I, I partner with like a few organizations on like kind of the recruiting and the sourcing side. And, um, yeah, I, me personally, I didn't really start off with a specific focus on like, um, you know, former, uh, car sales reps or anything like that. Um, but one specific group, uh, reached out to me shift group. And, uh, this was, a uh, I guess maybe like six months ago or something. Um, he was in, uh, he was in tech sales for, I guess, I think it was like over 15 years or something at this point. And, um, he was a former athlete himself, uh, played hockey and he saw a lot of parallels with kind of the mentality of like a high performing athlete and the parallels between a high performing athlete and a high performing sales rep, where it's a lot of it's about, uh, grit, consistency, um, hard work, being coachable. And, uh, he's specifically had a lot of, uh, colleagues, um, that were still athletes that were trying to figure out what they wanted to do, like what type of career did they want to transition into once they were done playing sports professionally. And, uh, and that's where, you know, they, he specifically focused on like bringing on former athletes, professional and collegiate athletes into these tech sales roles. So. Um, when I heard about what he was doing and kind of like his, his focus and like types of communities he was focusing on, um, actually ended up being like a, like a great partnership. So created some content with them, um, actually have some more collaborations planned. Uh, I think the next thing we're going to do is like some, some in-person events, but for sure, like former athletes is, I think is a, is an interesting one that ends up, you know, doing pretty well, uh, within the tech sales role. Uh, and the other one actually is also uh, former, um, um, people in the uh, armed forces as well. They, they actually <laughs> tend to do pretty well uh, in the role from what I've seen. That's pretty nuts. Matt, I've yeah. seen a lot of real estate agents, you know, who were once professional mm -hmm. athletes as well too. So it's yeah, like, funny enough. Your sphere, right? I yeah. would say armed services is another one. I think really it's, it's the fundamental, you know, tenets of how you do mm -hmm. business or approach your day is similar. Yeah. Uh, or at least it aligns you well to run a business that manages a large volume of yep. transactions. Right. And yeah, I think that absolutely. that's tech sales, real estate, you know, you apply the job here. You probably have a fair number of lenders too. Same thing. I'm sure. Exactly. I'm sure. Right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's about your friends that you used to work with at one point. Mm -hmm. Tom, what stuck out to me for your bio was, you know, you, you'd mentioned some of these other companies where you were working with, but mm -hmm. also you've been working with Amazon, Google, and some of those large scale companies. So was that a yeah. role that you kind of fell into as well too, along with these other ones, or was that something you were going yeah. for? How did, how did that transpire? Sure. Yeah. So I guess professionally, like where, where that happens. So I, um, I first started off, I guess my professional career, um, in, uh, actually in like more like in a tech support role. So I studied biomedical engineering. I had like aspirations to go into medical school and then senior year after doing all the applications, everything, I kind of lost the passion for medicine. And, um, also, uh, was seeing a lot of burnout, I guess, within, uh, physicians with, uh, you know, yeah. the environment that they're working in now is, is, very different than like 20 years ago. Gosh, um, can you even imagine? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I decided to, you know, just, uh, uh, explore, you know, being an engineer, uh, professionally. So started on the support side and then never even considered, uh, sales, but we had, a this was at national instruments in Austin, Texas. It, they had like a rotational program to kind of explore like different parts of the, the, um, you know, the corporate roles. So there was mm. sales, marketing, um, 
field uh, engineering, and then I forgot what like the fourth one was. But yeah, I never never considered sale. Kind of uh, kind of wrote it off mostly because I had you know bad experience with uh, bad experiences with like car sales reps, and I think a lot of people probably relate with that. Yeah. You know, and, sometimes uh, real estate agents are called used car sales. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I've been called the used car salesman before. Yeah. Too. I can assure you, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, there's. I think there's still like a little bit of like that that stigma that you know people don't realize what professional sales is like. So I, right. You know, I, I experienced that you know firsthand. Uh, you know what professional sales looks like uh, on the on the B two B side, and mm-hmm. then you know moved into it and found that I really enjoyed the work and. Um, Spent some, it moved up pretty quickly with the national instruments. And then, um, but then I started reading about how well, you know, software paid. Um, so made it a goal to kind of get into a software company, joined like a s- smaller software startup in in Austin. And then, um, and actually, I mean, one of the great things with the career is that there's just so much demand for experienced reps. So pretty much once you, the first, the first role is, is, is fairly difficult to get, but once you get in and show some success, you get a lot of people just reaching out on LinkedIn because they're for like any software company, they have like really high uh, growth expectations because they're raising mm-hmm. venture capital money and they need to hit certain growth targets. So sales is always kind of a, a thing that they're focusing on. And um, yeah, actually at the time, it was like good timing. Google um, had just built like their new office in, in downtown Austin. And they went, you know, they were going from like a hundred employees, I think to about like 2000 and they were rapidly growing out like their sales team wow. in, in, uh, in Austin. So ended up joining them and then, um, you know, spent some time there, uh, got the startup itch, went to another startup and then COVID related layoffs. This is in 2020, uh, Amazon. And then, yeah, so basically I would say definitely fell into it. And then it kind of just, you know, snowballed, uh, from there. And then, you know, was able to basically leverage all those experiences, you know, working at, you know, a couple big tech startups and then smaller startups. It's been, it's been great just to like share my experiences. I get a lot of people also that reach out who have, you know, five plus years of experience in the industry, but they, you know, they've only been on the startup side or they've only been on the big tech uh, side. So, you know, it's great to kind of. I was curious within because you have a unique perspective coming through all of it, right? Like the full right. arch of all sides. Yeah. If you if somebody's listening to this right now, they want to get into the tech world, but maybe haven't even stepped mm-hmm. their foot in. Would you recommend targeting a big, reputable company going for a Google, Amazon or something of that sort and trying to get into the door there? Or would you recommend getting in the tech world any way you can? growing into the sales role you want to get and then trying to move within. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, if you can, if you get into one of the bigger companies, like that's probably like the most consistent path to like, mm-hmm. you know, being, having a successful career, but it's, you know, pretty, pretty hard to get into. Um, right. you, know, you definitely need to get referrals. You need to, uh, do the right amount of networking. Um, so there's a bunch of other things. So usually what I tell people is, you know, don't get too hung up on like the first role. Um, right. just get that experience under your belt and then it makes it significantly easier to make like the, the next jump. And, uh, so actually I ended up working with one other company, uh, Bravado, and I put together kind of a, a free, like five week course. It's mostly self-paced that kind of goes over like the basics of the tech industry, you know, what types of companies to target for resume prep, LinkedIn prep, uh, interview skills and those sorts of things. So. Um, if anyone's listening, they want to, you know, at least learn more about the industry and maybe figure out like, all right, what do I, what, what, what should I do to get that first role? Um, you can check it out. I have it linked at, um, uh, techsalestom.com and the program's called uh, tech sales, you. 
That's awesome. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well, because I do think that's a great resource if somebody's looking to really, you know, focus and drive yeah. that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I think, so talking about your professional background, of course, my mind can't help but float to the real estate. So mm-hmm. I know that you, over time, have collected a number of different assets that you yeah. rent out or use for different purposes. In our world, you're like the ideal client. We see all kinds of investors that have fluctuating income or maybe their contractor base, mm-hmm. but then we look at somebody like you and you have stable income from large recognizable companies like tech sales reps are perfect yeah. investor clients, right? Yeah. So how did you first decide that you were going to use the money you were making in tech to divvy into real estate? And, you know, was that intentional with the purpose of growing a portfolio sure. or was it like, you know, do I just want to buy something? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, so the first one, uh, this was, I guess, 20, 2017 in Austin. Um, and it was the purpose actually was actually for for personal. Um, so I had, you know, had plans, you know, to, to you know, get investment properties in, in the future, but um, was actually recently married and we wanted to start raising a family. So um, I thought, you know, would want to have like more space and, you know, be in be in a house to, to do that. So um, bought a place out on Lake Travis. Uh, it was about it was like 545 or something, but. You know, did three percent down. You know, you know, maximize leverage. You know, rates were like super low. I think it was got it at like three and a half percent or something, and then later refinanced it to two point six. Um, no, but I, I think you know, more. yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, people listening to this are going to be very jealous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, definitely maybe luck. You know, maybe played some. Uh, uh, you know, played a bit into that because uh, we actually bought it for the same amount that they, the prior owners bought it for like almost 10 years prior. So they had like no appreciation. Uh, Austin was growing, but most of the growth was in the downtown area. But even at the time, like you could still get like a decent home in downtown Austin for like 300 to 400. So, you know, ours was kind of still at the upper end of the market, but I kind of saw the trend of, I I had a theory, I guess, like, you know, we're like 35 minutes from downtown, but you're, you know, on the lake, we have lake views. We walk down to the lake and everything. So my thought was like, you know, eventually Austin's going to grow to the point where it's going to like push everything out, you know, to the outskirts. And then that's going to be, you know, kind of a desirable area. So um, it ended up like kind of playing out. I think COVID accelerated things. And uh, and then, uh, you know, from there, basically uh, started saving up to kind of purchase like the next piece, which was the adjacent lot that was available uh, actually from the original sellers too. Um, ended up buying mm-hmm. that one. And then um, actually still just now finishing construction of like two homes on there. Um, and then in terms of like renting everything out with that, with that first home, um, we had like a separate like guest suite on a separate part of the house. So when we were still living there, we actually had that, uh, we were renting it out and, and was actually really surprised that just from renting out that suite, we were almost able to cover like that entire mortgage payment. So that kind of gave me like the first wow. taste of like kind of the, the power yeah. of, uh, real estate investing. And then, you know, and then when we moved uh, back to Chicago, mostly full-time, then, you know, kind of converted the property to medium-term rentals. So did like 30 to 60 day rentals. And then, and uh, actually lately it's been uh, mostly short-term rentals. I think people have kind of put, put uh, some of these like longer term or medium-term stays on hold, but Mm -hmm. starting to see like this bigger uptick on the demand for short-term. Yeah, no, I've, I've been out to Lake Travis a handful mm-hmm. of times and it just like blows me away of some of the houses that are on that lake. I mean, it is, they look like they're high schools or malls. 
I mean, it, yeah, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to think of Lake Travis or anywhere in Austin really as being undervalued. So yeah. to hear you talk about getting in and having that value come, I mean, it's just, it's been like the only place people talk about for so long now, you know? Because like when I view it, I'm like, yeah, you need to have family who's had their house built on that. For 30 years. To live yeah. on that lake, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So yep. it's crazy to think just, what was it, five, six years ago you were able to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then, yeah, now the property's worth like triple uh, based on yeah. based on comparables. And like, even like the lot, I bought the lot for... Um, Actually, there was like a little bit of like a mix up with a lot. I, I, I would have bought it for, for even cheaper, but uh, it was like, a you know, originally at 100, ended up buying it for, for 140. Um, but still, like now, even just like they at, at the time, there was like, I think, eight other lots like in the neighborhood still available to like build on. And now it's like all been like scooped up. So it's crazy, like how quickly it changed in, in literally just like two years, I think, actually, that was like the biggest jump uh, for the Austin market. Yeah. Wow. So if you now in Chicago, uh, you're renting here in Chicago, right? Do you own any yeah. property in Chicago land? Uh, not yet. Actually was, was looking at a couple. Um, and then was actually going to be buying something like two years ago, had some like, um, life events that we had to, we had to take care of. So that got put on hold. And then, uh, and then actually we were very close to buying another one earlier this year. And likewise, um, uh, a variety of different factors that came up. So it, it's still on the list to, to get something, but Chicago is kind of interesting where you don't often see as much like appreciation, uh, especially like if you're buying like a, a condo or something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've seen some condos where it's, it's crazy. Like the HOA fees have just continued to rise year over year. Or I feel like there's more, there's neighborhoods in Chicago where if you get them right before the bubble, you can mm -hmm. really see some appreciation, but it's tough to find those neighborhoods now. It is. Yeah. Like if it was like, you know, if you got it bought in like West Loop, like I think like four years ago or something, you know, then you're in it, right? You caught a great wave. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. I mean, some of the, the problem that Chicago has that a city like Austin doesn't really struggle with as much is we just have aging, aging inventory. So we mm -hmm. have high rises that have $2,000 HOAs because the elevator can only be serviced by one company yep. that is practically out of business. Right. So everything gets more expensive with age, but so yeah, it's interesting then, to hear though you, that you, and then when you compare like, you know, there's all these like luxury high rises that are popping up yeah. and you can, you, you know, we have a compare, you'd have a, I mean, I think in general, you still get like more space for, for your dollar if you buy mm -hmm. versus rent, but then yeah, the level of amenities for sure. Like, you know, any, any condo that's like over three years old, I feel like for buying, like the amenities are just like age and they don't, they don't reinvest in them. So. Right. Meanwhile, you can take your pick of these new rental buildings that yeah. are, I mean, they're, they're basically tripping over each other with amenities to try mm -hmm. and outbid. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, it all depends on the type of lifestyle that you want. I mean, I mean, speaking of that, so you live in a great building here in Chicago, you live in the NEMA building, yep. you know, that, um, that building obviously took over South Loop there now has become like a staple of the neighborhood in terms of oh, yeah. a rental development. When you moved into that building, were you intentionally trying to become a part of a new wave? Was it the amenities that drew you to it or yeah, you know, it what actually, made you choose that? Yeah, it was actually the amenities. So before I uh, moved here, uh, when I first moved to Chicago, um, actually it was um, moved into the Optima Signature in Streeterville. Mm -hmm. So love the area. And then it was actually at the beginning of like the lockdowns. And then, um, but then after about like a year, we were on the fence of like either buying this other property, um, and uh, it was going to be like a, it was going to be a pretty big stretch. It was a, it was a mixed use property actually in West Loop. Mm. Um, but with the lockdowns and everything, uh, 
there was the risk of like the underlying business that was, you know, had a lease. There was a big chance. I feel like they could have went out of business and we'd be on the hook for another 5k to kind of cover like, you know, the, the, the payment, and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. So decided to, you know, continue renting and then, um, heard about Nima actually, it wasn't really even considering South loop, but really, yeah, it was the amenities that, that, uh, that sold us. Cause I figured like, you know, who knows how much longer this, you know, lockdown stuff is going to be happening. Uh, you know, if you're going to be locked down somewhere, might as well be somewhere with like, you know, a great gym and pool and, and you know, everything like that. Great so, access. Yeah. You're in an awesome location for sure. Yeah. The only, you know, the only downside is like, you know, it's getting better though, is that, um, when we first moved here, I mean, there, you know, a lot of the things in the loop were, were shut down. A lot of businesses were shut down restaurants. And then, um, so if you really wanted to go somewhere, you'd end up like, you know, kind of, you know, making the trek, you know, my mile or two trek, you know, up North, especially like if you want to like go out. Um, but I would say in the last six months, you've been seeing like a lot more built out there probably because, you know, things open back up. And then I think, you know, the draw of the NEMA building too, like I constantly see yeah. the agents giving tours and stuff for, for the units here. Oh yeah. Consistently. Well, so you, you have a unique perspective. I think through time you, you are a tenant, you are a landlord, you yep. have done short-term and midterm rentals. If you, if somebody's here, you know, we asked you earlier, if somebody wanted to get into tech, what would you give them advice for? So I guess I'll, I'll frame it in the light of real mm -hmm. estate. If somebody's sitting here trying to think about a strategy for getting involved sure. in home ownership or becoming an investor, whatever approach you want to take, what would you say is mm -hmm. your best advice to them? Or what have you learned along the journey that might be practical for somebody? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it, it helps to take like a, a phased approach. So actually I, I, people ask me quite a bit about this topic because uh, like when I look at like the journey of people who, you know, who I guess follow my page, you know, the, the first step for them is, you know, they, they, they want to increase their active income. So they go into a, a higher paying career. And then the next thing, the, the next thing that they always ask about is, you know, what can I do to, you know, better invest or, or leverage, you know, what, what I'm earning. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and for like real estate, I think like the, me personally, I think like the lowest risk is to, um, buy a primary residence first for yourself that could later be turned into like a rental. So not buying it specifically for the purposes of renting it, but someplace that, you know, you could live in for two or three years. Um, that's, you know, close to like, you know, close to like the, you know, where the mortgage payment is close to what you're, you know, currently renting. So there, you know, you're not really overextending yourself. And really, you know, the most risk, I guess, that you have is that it depreciates a ton and then you potentially maybe lose out on like your down payment and, you know, right. based on like- the, or you get like a special assessment down. if it's a condo or, you yeah. know, but it really like it's minimal in the grand scheme. Yeah. But then, you know, ideally, or, you know, hopefully, you know, let's say, you know, if you end up living in it for, for three years or so before you end up converting into like a rental or something, uh, hopefully you at least have, you know, some appreciation or, or even if it's flat, you know, then, you know, you're not, you're really only out like your initial down payment because you, you still have to have somewhere to, to live anyway. So, um, and as you guys know, you, you probably have like, you can get like the best rates, you know, um, for, for, you know, first time home buyers, I think, uh, mm -hmm. is great. And then also it allows you to do a lower, you know, down payment. You know, I did, we did our first property with a uh, 3% down and, you know, certainly could have done like 10 or 20%, but, um, I think time and market is, is probably more important than like putting down 20% and then just to eliminate like your, your PMI. Um, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we see a lot of people doing that where they're mm -hmm. buying a home with the intention of later renting it out. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, 
man, I know you did something similar to that in your scenario. So I think yeah. when you're trying to like buy something, it's always smart to think, would this property rent mm -hmm. out? Right. right. Because again, yeah. like if you want to hang on to it, you got to make sure you can have some tenants in there too. Yep. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you know, another that. consideration too, is like thinking about like, um, in terms of like renting, right. When we look at, you know, what types of rentals would this support, you know, is it, is it, would it potentially be a short-term rental in the future? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of condos, for example, have, you know, they're on in, in Chicago, they're on the short-term rental restriction list. So you can't, yeah, we are not very short-term friendly. That's mm -hmm. for sure. And then most of them actually, even, even some of them I saw, like they have minimums for subly or, you know, for renting out, you know, so I yeah. think, I saw a bunch of them where it was like 12 month minimum leases. So you can't, Correct. You can't even do like on a very rental. rare occasion, you'll find like a six month minimum lease. So I guess you right. could call that a midterm rental, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it, most are 12 months uh, and they just exclusively limit no short term. So it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Or Man, rental caps, right? That? That's the other thing too, right? Some of them have rental right. caps and you got to be on a waiting list to rent it out. And it's like, then, then you could yeah. be in a pickle where if you have to move and uh, you can't rent it out, and you're kind of well, and people don't really realize that those rental caps don't cycle very often. You mm -hmm. know, in some buildings, they could exist. It might only be one or two people ahead of you, but that might be one or two people for five, ten years. You know, oh, for just sure. And then yeah. how the sales happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's difficult. Before we let you go, uh, I appreciate you making time and talking us through. I mean, really a broad scope of everything here. We always like to end the show really to give you an opportunity. Uh, if there's anything that you're seeking uh, from people who might be listening right now just a great opportunity to ask that. So is there anything that you need or are seeking in your business or anything that you have upcoming that you want to promote uh, that we can help, you know, drive attention to? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, right now I'm actually, I'm, I'm working on, on just like scaling everything in general. So just brought on actually a couple people to, you know, help uh, further manage partnerships. But one thing that I'm going to be really kind of uh, expanding on is um, kind of, building out like some of these like group investing models. Uh, so mm -hmm. there are a couple of companies that I partnered with that have platforms to like help facilitate this. And this kind of like maybe builds upon what we were talking about, like, you know, where can someone like start? So, you know, on one angle, you can do a single, you know, uh, primary residence with like 5% down. That's probably like the cheapest that you can get for, for investing in. And mm -hmm. then the, on the other angle, there's some of these like real estate investing platforms where you could do like fractional ownership, but they're still kind of like, fairly limited. It's more like investing in a stock and you get a dividend payment out. So it's not, not very active. So I've been scoping out for a while, some of these, uh, an idea for, for, for doing like real estate, you know, investing groups, you know, it's nothing new. People have been doing it for a while. Um, but usually they're, they're on like the smaller scale. So, you know, if, if anyone is listening and is kind of like interested in, you know, building something out like that, um, I have, I think at this point, I, I, I put out a couple forms within my community for people to indicate interest. And I think uh, it was like up to like 300 people or so. Wow. That, that's fantastic. I'd be ready to, 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 to kind of invest in, in a property so or a couple of properties and either as like short term rentals or kind of like studio rentals or kind of, you know, doing things that are a little bit more creative than just setting up as like a long term rental. So. Um, I think that's kind of like the one area where, you know, if, uh, if anyone's listening, they, they, you know, that sounds interesting to them, definitely reach out. Um, and we can kind of see where, where that can go. 
We love that. We're all about connecting investors with opportunities. So that's fantastic. We'll link something in the show notes so that they make sure that they can get in touch with you if they are interested. And really so that they can access everything that you offer through the Tech Sales Tom brand, which is, as Derek and I mentioned, just such an awesome name. That's like I do like this. So yeah. We'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was actually originally Tom's Tesla Garage because I it was like, I don't know, uh, 2017 or something. I uh, wanted to do like a car YouTube channel. So mm -hmm. um, actually, you know, it some of the views videos actually got a good amount of views, but it was, it was just like a lot of time to like record like a 30 to 60 minute YouTube video. But uh, yeah, that, yeah. And, then, and then about like a year into the TikTok thing, I started realizing like, hey, I should probably change the name to something more relevant because I, I bet you there's people who like see these videos that I put out and they think like, oh, this is probably just another car guy who's like just randomly talking about the tech industry here or whatever. That's so true. Is it, I, I talk about branding all the time, but the, if your brand isn't associated with your message, you're like, oh, wait, who am I yeah. talking to? Right, <laughs> right. Everybody yeah. at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I'm sure yeah. you could do some good videos on the tech of Tesla's though would be my guess. That is true. There's yeah. good overlap. Oh yeah, I mean the the views on those are like there's a couple of creators that I follow who like they st they stayed on like kind of like the Tesla path. Yeah, and, uh, I think one of them has like three million followers or something. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes, it makes for great content. So the Tesla poll is real. That's for it sure. Yeah. Twitter's blowing up today with pictures of Elon. It's just like, oh, yeah. you can't escape it. Yeah. yeah. I'm really oh, yeah. Into, into Twitter. Yeah. Twitter it holds the thing, you know, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Tom, we really appreciate you making time. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll look forward to, you know, we'll have you on the show again sometime and just continue this conversation because you have so much information to share and we'll make sure that we plug everything we can. If we can connect you with someone in our audience, we'll definitely do sure. that. So, Sounds good. uh, thank you everybody for watching. Like, subscribe, follow if you're interested in more content like this. We will see you next time. Take care.